Hey, it's podcast producer Bobby Richards. And before we jump into today's episode, here is Donald Miller with some exciting news around our upcoming Coach Builder Summit that's happening February 1st and 2nd. It's the ultimate live stream for coaches, consultants, financial advisors, physical trainers, therapists, counselors. I would consider a coach anybody who sells their wisdom, anybody who sells their knowledge and their, you know, their coaching, their ability to help you transform into somebody else based on the knowledge that they have. To me, that's a coach. At the summit, Amy Porterfield is going to be with us. Will Gadara, who's who wrote the book Unreasonable Hospitality. You know, Will started 11 Madison Park, became the number one restaurant in the world. He is going to be with us for Coach Builder Summit and a ton of other celebrities that you're going to love hearing from. If any part of you thinks that you could pivot your career into a coaching career, you've got to attend the summit. That's all we're going to talk about all day long. Go to coachbuilder.com slash coach summit, coachbuilder.com slash coach summit. Again, if you've ever thought about building a coaching business as a side hustle that hopefully will take over your life, go to coachbuilder.com slash coach summit and sign up today. If I would have listened to this podcast 10 years ago, I would have said Don Miller lost his mind. Welcome to the Business Made Simple Podcast, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I am your host, Donald Miller. Today on the show, it's Will Gadara. Will has a book called Unreasonable Hospitality. It's all about, in part, how he built a restaurant called 11 Madison Park in New York City, a restaurant that became the number one restaurant in the world, which is a huge deal. And his story is absolutely amazing. If you haven't read Unreasonable Hospitality, you should. But we've already had Will on to talk about Unreasonable Hospitality, so we thought it would actually be really fun to invite you, the listener, to send us questions. So we did that. We have a few questions from you about how to practice Unreasonable Hospitality, but I promise you those questions are just the beginning. Where Will and I go off are much deeper philosophical ideas and even spiritual ideas about the nature of what it means to be human and the nature of what it means to care for people in the course of doing business. I am hopeful that Unreasonable Hospitality and Will Gadara represent more than just a business book. I hope it's a movement in a world where we are slowly diminishing respect for our fellow human beings. I hope that Will is a part of the counter movement. And if he's a part of the counter movement, I'm in. If you're losing faith in humanity and you run a business and you're wondering how you're going to respond, today's episode is going to be very, very special for you. Your sales software shouldn't be a bummer. When you step inside your CRM, you should feel equipped to do your best work. And that's the magic of HubSpot Sales Hub. The new Sales Hub is designed to help you win. With an intuitive prospecting workspace and AI-powered tools that reduce your workload, closing deals is no big deal at all. Get AI-powered tools like ChatSpot that are tailor-made to help you automate steps across the sales pipeline so your teams can take back their time and spend it on the tasks that matter. Close more deals and get on track for your best Q1 yet. Learn about HubSpot Sales Hub at hubspot.com sales. Will Gadara, so great to have you back on the podcast. Hey man, I'm so happy to be back. It's good to see you. I'm excited to be here. Well, your book, Unreasonable Hospitality, has done unbelievably well since it came out not even a year ago. Man, it's the coolest thing, and it's been a wild ride, and and I'm having the time of my life. Well, we have gone out to our audience because so many of them have read Unreasonable Hospitality, and they have questions about how to apply this stuff to what they're doing. And our producer, Bobby Richards, is going to be the voice of God, and he's actually—we had a lot of questions— 
He's going to try to choose three or four. I think our audience is going to learn a lot from how to practice unreasonable hospitality in their small businesses. Bobby, did you get some good questions? Oh, we got some great questions from some business owners and listeners that have taken the deep dive into unreasonable hospitality and would love to get your feedback. All right. So it's business advice from Will Gadara. As an author, he wrote about his experience building the best restaurant in the world. I mean, I know Will a little bit, so he's already like consulting with Trek Bicycles. He's consulting with major brands on how they can do this that are unrelated to the restaurant industry. And uh, I think it's pretty exciting. So we're going to get some good advice for all of us. Bobby, what's the first question? Let's jump right in. So we've got a question from Sophia, who is a marketing consultant out in Texas. Uh, She asks, how can I infuse a sense of unreasonable hospitality into the marketing that I do on behalf of my clients? How are you unreasonably hospitable when you're not actually interacting with the human being? They're giving you their email address. They're getting emails from you. They're seeing websites, landing pages. You ever counseled a client through that? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, listen, first of all, hi, Sophia. Nice to meet you. <laughs> first time caller. Long time listener. First time caller. Yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, the first question, and yeah, we, we don't know exactly what you do, but the first step is obviously to figure out who it is you're serving. And that doesn't mean in, in different businesses that you're serving the end user. You could be in B2B, as it sounds like you might be. Or, I mean, honestly, even when you're selling something to someone, you are still serving them if you believe in what you're doing because you're giving them the thing they need to be more successful. If you're in PR, you are serving the person you're representing and you're also serving the writers you're pitching to. Mm, yeah. And, and, and this is an important distinction because it's about shifting your perspective on the work you do and acknowledging the importance in the role that you play for everyone in your ecosystem. A lot of PR people feel like they are sometimes harassing writers, but writers don't have anything to write about unless you give them a good story to tell. Yeah. Similarly, the person that you're representing needs your representation in order to drive awareness that gives them the ability to succeed in bringing their dreams to life, right? So A, who are you serving? And the only way to fully answer that question is to shift your perspective enough to acknowledge the importance of the role you play for every stakeholder in your ecosystem. Mm. Then, I mean, it's the simple process of just putting yourself in their shoes and trying to understand how you would feel the most served, the most seen, the most welcomed, the most cared for in that process. And I, I believe this type of thing can be systemized just by breaking the entire process down into its individual touch points. You really help people do this. I know that when you were at, you were interacting with Toyota and you were talking to them, you told me the story about how you made them keep going and come up with what, 25 or 30 touch points that a customer has when they buy a Toyota. How many was it that they were on? Well, yeah. So I sat down with them. I said, hey, I want to interrogate your customer journey. Mm-hmm. I want you to name every single little touch point that exists. And they were annoyed with me. And I think they came up <laughs> with a list of like 10. And I was like, there's definitely a lot more than 10. And after a few hours of frustration, there were a lot more than 10. I think we got up to like 30 or 35 wow. of these little touch points in the journey. And like one of them was a month after you buy the car, the first time you open your glove compartment, that is a touch point. And once you acknowledge that as a touch point, once you isolate it now and only now do you have the capacity to elevate it. Wow. And so if I sell someone a car, what's in the glove compartment when they open it a month later? That's an opportunity to surprise and delight. And by the way, aren't we all looking to extend the transaction 
far further after its normal endpoint, such that people are thinking about us much longer than they ordinarily would. And so, Sophia, I would recommend you do the same thing. Figure out the people you're serving through that shift of perspective. Identify every touch point that exists in the journey of serving them and find as many of them as possible that you have the ability to elevate even just a little bit, because honestly, enough small improvements can be transformational because raindrops make oceans Hmm. and enough little changes result in a pretty big change. Sophia could go, uh, let's say she has a client, maybe they're paying her $25,000 a year and she's got six or 10 of these clients. It might be worth it to jump on a Southwest plane an airplane, cheap ticket, fly to where one of the customers of your clients live, buy them lunch, sit down and get all sorts of information about what their experience is like with this brand, go back to your client, buy them Mm. lunch and say, hey, I just got curious about one of your clients. So I flew to Austin, Texas and bought Mm. them lunch. And I want you to know what they said and what they love about you guys after you have been paid. Hmm. And to me, hmm. if you did that to me, you are my marketing agent for the rest of your life. Yeah. And it was for a $99, $199 flight. Now, I'm not trying to make this a business arrangement and say it's transactional or some sort of performative thing that gets you to hook a customer, but there is a return on the investment of love and care that is real. And, Will, I got to confess to you, like when I first started a business, you know, I woke up every morning. I remember waking up every morning saying, I have to make $7,500 today in order mm. to pay my team. If I don't make $7,500, $7, I can't pay my team. And I, I only get paid if I make $7,501. Yeah. I didn't care a whole lot about whether or not I was loving my customers at that point. I was just like, we got to create great product. We got to get it out. Look at the numbers. Those sorts of things. It took me a little while to begin to understand the incredible power of love because it can't be measured necessarily. You can't count on the return. And I think that's part of what the magic is of actually following through on it. And I think that's one of the reasons people respond so well to it is because they understood the sacrifice. There's nothing on the other side of this except making somebody's life a little bit better. How did you figure that out? Can you just give me some example of like w- what happened to you when that made you that made you do that? No, I mean that's why I went into the business. I never wanted to be a chef. That's the reason why I think the book is resonating with other people is it doesn't matter what you sell. I happened to sell food, but I was really in it because I just well I derive pleasure out of making other people happy and I think I mean listen, it, if we want to get like deep and a little bit emotional, it's because when I was a kid my mom was diagnosed with cancer, became a quadriplegic. My dad and I had to care for her my entire life. And never did I feel like a victim doing it based on the lead that my dad hmm. like set. He, he set the example that we don't feel bad for ourselves. But actually, to the contrary, I always felt a little luckier than my friends because I got to care for my mother in a way that no one else got to care for theirs. That was just my normal. Because you were you were connecting with your mom in a way that your friends didn't get to connect with their moms? Is that what you mean by that? Getting like, to you- serve her. And there's this unbelievably energizing feeling that I get when I get to serve someone else. And when you're a kid, you're normally not exposed to getting to serve other people until you're through your formative years. You are in a position of being served by others. So as a part of my developmental process, I got to serve people. I got to experience 
at an unbelievably early age how good it feels to give someone something that either nourishes them or restores them or helps them feel better when they're feeling bad or even better when they're feeling great. And so that was my normal and I connected with the feeling of it. And it's just the life I wanted to pursue. Restaurants is just the mechanism through which, which I Do you think to some degree um, when you were at 11 Madison Park and you were waiting on tables and caring for people, do you think to some degree you were channeling your, your love and your great gratitude for your mom in in each table, I mean, I I, I mean that I, I trust you know what I'm talking about. I don't think you actually yeah. went to each table and said, "Mommy," but you know what I mean. <laughs> in the sense that, like, there was this sense of like early on this training of of this is my security, uh, this is my nurturing, this is the woman who brought me into the world, and this is according to my father and the ecosystem that I've been born into. This is our family missions to do this, and that translated into your career, and and ultimately was yeah. the seed of this book. Well, for sure. I mean, in, in a very like subtle, like yeah, foundational yeah. way, but like, listen, if I could make a quadriplegic feel good by serving her, imagine what I could do to people that were fully healthy and dining out at a three Michelin star restaurant. Like when you start from that level, the impact you can have on people is pretty extraordinary. And, and I think you can do it, whether you're Sophia doing marketing for people or, or really across discipline. I, I really do believe that. Yeah. You know, I don't know, Will, if it's because I'm getting older, uh, because I've become a father, you know, and and uh, we now have an 11 year old uh, in our home along with a two and a half year old, and I'm just getting softer. But I'm really starting to believe, believe, not just say it, because I think I've said it for longer than I believed it, but I think I'm starting to believe that the point of being on the planet, literally, mm. is to learn to love people. And I mean learn, because I don't know that it, I think there's an int intuition that helps us do it, but I think it's actually something we have to cultivate inside of ourselves, because there there's a demon on one shoulder and an angel on another, you know? Well, I think, it's, I think it's not only something that we need to learn, but we need to make the choice to do on a daily basis. Hmm. I think relationships are relationships. The lessons you learn from those in life can be applied to work and vice versa. Their entire industry is based on how to make us better in our marital relationship. Right. Yeah. And and one of the lessons you hear all the time is wake up every day and make the choice to pursue your wife. Yeah. And and I think like in this, it's every time you get on a call to sell someone something, every time you welcome someone into your store, every time you engage in relationship with anyone, any stakeholder at any level in your business, at the very beginning of that, make the choice to pursue them. Wow. In a way that is heartfelt and sincere. Yeah. Gosh, that's beautiful. It's so fun to be in business, but to also have this deep spiritual mission behind it mm. that is a bigger mission than any of our businesses. And it's a mission that we can hand onto our kids and they hand to their kids and, and humanity gets better as we do that. Well, hopefully we answered Sophia's questions. <laughs> <laughs> Sophia, you at least prompted great conversation between me and Don, and I appreciate you for that. DTC Pod, hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. DTC Pod is a podcast about all things direct to consumer. Ramon and Blaine cover everything for starting, growing, and optimizing e commerce stores and DTC brands. They talk with founders, marketers, platforms, creators, and marketing and growth agencies, covering topics like brand building, social media, influencer marketing, website conversion, the list goes on and on. 
So if you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, you need to listen to this podcast. In fact, in episode 299 titled Build a Better Brand with the Ultimate Shopify Accelerator, Ben Scharf, co-founder of Platter, a storefront accelerator for Shopify brands, covers how to streamline a brand's Shopify experience to drive and increase conversion all without bankrupting your business or confusing your customers. Listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to the show. Bobby, what do we have another question that we could answer for 20 <laughs> seconds and then go off on a tangent on? Oh, we do. And keep going on these tangents. This is this is beautiful. This is beautiful. So we've got Nathan, who is a virtual assistant out in California. And Nathan is asking, how do you turn challenging customer interactions into opportunities for creating positive, memorable experiences? Do you have any examples? Oh, Thanks. That's a man. good one. I, okay, I love this question. My boss, Danny Meyer, would always say the path to success is paved with mistakes well handled. That which is I love. good. Yeah. I love that quote. And I'll also say that my biggest regulars in my restaurants were the people who I messed up the most with in the beginning hmm. because it gave me the opportunity to show the extent I was willing to go to make it right. There's this rule, the scientific explanation about how people remember experiences. It's called the peak end rule. That at the end of the day, all they remember is the peak and the end. And when I say peak, I mean the furthest deviation from zero for better or worse. Okay, explain that a little bit because I, I don't want to miss what that means. Furthest gap from zero. Yeah, for better or worse. So let's say gotcha. whatever the experience is, I'll use restaurants. You're in the restaurant. Yeah. If I mess up, I pour a glass of red wine on your white shirt. That is now the peak of the experience in a bad direction, <laughs> in right? A negative direction. Yeah. This so is I negative 43. To, yeah. So I just <laughs> need to do something at a positive 44. I just need to do ah. something that's so awesome such that it's just a little bit better than that was bad. And so the peak and then the end. When you make a mistake, okay, trust in the fact that you can always recover because just make the peak a little bit more good, then the other peak was bad. And then make sure the end of the experience is, is great. And that will define the way they remember it, which will be a good memory. But here's the, the cool part about it. If I hadn't spilled red wine on your white shirt, my positive peak probably never would have gotten to a 44. I would have never had to bring it to a 44. And so like when I mess up that badly, it is now a beautiful challenge, an opportunity, perhaps even a responsibility to do such a good job that now I'm leaving you with a memory that will last a lifetime. It can be overwhelmingly good. Whereas if I had never made the mistake, it would have just been a whelming experience. Hmm. And so I see mistakes as this beautiful opportunity to test the athleticism of my hospitality and to show how far I will go to make a wrong right. Give me an example of, of when somebody at the restaurant made a mistake and you were able to do that. I, I, it, it just, it all sounds so beautiful. I mean, there's endless, endless uh, examples. Like we definitely served someone something they were allergic to, mm. right? Um, yeah. And they go to the hospital in the middle of their meal. So, yeah. okay. If you look at experience, <laughs> by the that's way, a, that's a negative 72. <laughs> yeah. And so th by the way, you don't think of the experience as just that day. It's an experience right, right, right. of a relationship with that person. And right. so then you invite them back in, you comp their entire meal and you make sure it is the best meal of their life. 
yeah. and you do whatever it takes to to make that happen. You know, I just actually wrote this story in my newsletter recently. I was talking to a guy from BJ's, the the casual dining chain, and yeah. he has worked there for years. They have a couple hundred locations. When they only had twelve, this woman came in. They had opened a new one, and she ate there and sent him an email saying, "Hey, I hated your restaurant." Like food was bad, <laughs> service goodness. was bad. Yeah. Like I don't know why I went there. I should have just gone to Cheese Fake Cheesecake Factory. They always get it right. The playbook in restaurants when this happens: apologize, refund their money, and give them a gift card to come back so that you can make it right. He convinced her to let him give her a gift card. He apologized, refunded the meal, convinced her to let him give her a gift card, but he didn't send her a gift card to BJ's. He sent her a gift card to Cheesecake Factory. <laughs> I love that. Because she told right? me that's, yeah. And the, the message there is is pretty straightforward, We're listening, right? yeah. Don't give them the gift you want them to want. Give them the gift they actually want. Mm. And that woman obviously became one of the biggest regulars in the history of BJ's because she felt so loved and served. And again, it's selfless. Mm. It's bigger than the mission of, of making money. He wasn't trying to regain her as a customer. He was just trying to do a fundamentally good thing and apologize in a way that made someone feel that he was actually genuinely apologetic for having let her down. There is something that is a unique and fun challenge to sort of right a wrong. You have the opportunity to build a better relationship than you would. And now I'm not saying go around and make mistakes in order for you to build better relationships. Yes. But it, it, there is an opportunity there that, that I think is just truly wonderful. I mean, my dad, one of the quotes he says all the time that I, I love the most is adversity is a terrible thing to waste. In those moments, grab onto it, seize on it, extract as much as you can out of it. And listen, as, as crazy as it sounds, when you mess up, get excited because you just have a giant platter of opportunity in front of you. It's just yes. a matter of what you do with it. Well, also, Nathan, who's a virtual assistant, that's a guy you want to keep on as your virtual assistant if he's if he's asking, yeah. asking these questions. Yeah, thank you, Nathan. That's a great question, man. Bobby, we have one more? Let's do it. Let's do it. We've got one from Isabella, who is a life coach in Chicago. And Isabella is asking, what strategies do you recommend for building community and connection with clients, especially in a virtual coaching environment? Ooh, man, everybody's dealing with that right now. I think that there is increasingly a misunderstanding of the word efficiency. And, and by the way, I, I think small talk is increasingly getting a bad rep. Hmm. And on these, on these virtual calls, it's funny, I was on the, during the pandemic, me and a buddy of mine, each of us in different lines of work, each of us with our own teams, we're working on a project together. And every time we got on a Zoom together, you know, he's a good friend. Our teams naturally got along in the first five minutes. They'd all just be catching up, small talk. And I could see in his little box how annoyed he was when we were having the small talk. And one day after the, the meeting, I called him up. I said, dude, what's going on? Like, why are you always so annoyed at the beginning of these calls? Like, I hate small talk. It's a waste of time. It's completely inefficient. And man, I could not disagree more. I think you need to leave margin, especially in this virtual world we're living in, to before you get into the what and the purpose of the call, just to spend a little bit of time investing in relationship with the other person. And I think when you put some rules around that, it can be great. There's someone on my team, her name is Marin. She needs that level of human connection. And so every other week, we don't do it all the time, but when I feel like it's needed, when I feel like it's appropriate, when we get on for one of our team calls, I say, all right, before we start, a Marin 5. And a Marin 5 means like a very intentional check-in where everyone on the team goes around. And it's not just meant to say, what do you do today? It's meant to, hey, what are you struggling with? What are you thinking about? How's life? How's your family? 
don't try to be so efficient and get so much done on every call that you miss out on the opportunity to actually invest time and energy in connecting with people. If you can't get all the way to the intentional, vulnerable, serious conversation, indulge some small talk because it'll take you a good chunk of the way down the road and actually set you up for success in then going to the meaty stuff. And if you're ready for the meaty stuff, put a system behind it. Just decide that in the same way you schedule everything in your life, you're going to schedule fundamentally genuine, authentic time to really talk. And I think it can be transformational when you do. Gosh, I mean, you could... you could even schedule Zooms that aren't related to any sort of business objective. Yeah, like we're, that's my point. Yeah, I, like I love team that. building. You talk about team building. We we have this crazy bad relationship with team building where it's reserved for like one or two days a year. Why? <laughs> if we're on the phone or on a Zoom with our team multiple times a week, why wouldn't we say once every two weeks we're going to take thirty minutes and we're not going to talk about work? We're just going to pursue relationships with one another. And we're going to be as creative in how we structure those sessions as we are whatever product we're selling the world. Like, hey, Joe, you come up with a new thing we can do to bring ourselves closer. Alex, next time it's your responsibility. Set up rhythms of connection and be as creative and intentional in pursuit of them as you are whatever you're all collectively working to build. There's two things that come to mind as I listen to this and as I think about you know the answer to this question. One is when I became a dad, I really worried about getting fatherhood right. And, and I, mm. I wasn't sure what it was. My dad split when I was a kid. But I think even people who have great dads have the same you know, insecurities. Yeah. Like, what is fatherhood again? I wasn't paying attention. Uh, and <laughs> what I realized is actually the top two things are cake, time spent, and mm. eye contact. Mm. That's it. Just t- little, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. It's that easy. Just the first 30 minutes of every day is not dad running out the door. It's dad reading a book and sharing what what you're excited about today. And then I cherish when I, when Emmeline and I meet eyes, I just love it. I just love it. And if you think about it, that's not just parenthood. That's human. Well, but it's that easy and it's that hard, Mm. right? Because as easy as it is in theory, it's much harder in practice to actually put your phone down and forget about what's going on in your head and invest yeah. completely Be in a there. person. And, and by the way, that's why you need practices, right? Like there's uh, someone recently said that they have an inability not to pay attention to their phone when they're home with their kids. And so when they get home, they put their phone in their bedroom, they come back downstairs. They don't go back up for another hour. That's what I say, schedule this stuff, right? Like no matter how well-intentioned any of us are, no matter how easy the solutions may seem, they're harder. And so why not set ourselves up for success in the same way we do when we're trying to pursue anything? Yeah. If you're trying to get in shape, you're not like, all right, I'm going to work out every once in a while. No, you decide you're going to work out at this time, this many days a week. You're going to get a trainer if you need a trainer, right? Like we put systems behind the things that are important to us. The other thing that I think about and this has been, I'm trying to figure out what this means. Maybe you can help me understand what it means. But we have an annual Christmas party. And it's, it's mm. one of the highlights of the year. We just have a great time. Our staff is pretty fun to be around. And the very first Christmas party we ever had, somebody picked up a bowl of mashed potatoes and handed it to another guy and said, I give you the mashed potato award for person here. <laughs> it was just an impromptu, fun kind of thing. Because there are only like six of us or four of us on staff. I can't even remember. And... Um, now we have a statue that looks like a bowl of mashed potatoes, and, every, and somebody wins the mashed potato award every year. What I've noticed is that as the company grows and people come and go, we've got 30 people on staff who've been doing this going on 10 years. 
nobody who has ever won the mashed potato award has left. Huh. They've all stayed. I love that. And they've all, I'm getting choked up. They all have had better opportunities. They all have, but there's something about your team saying, actually the name of the award is we'd be screwed without you. That's the name of the award. (laughs) And you get a bowl of mashed potatoes. It's stupid. (laughs) But but, um, I think there's something about kind of that level of affirmation and, and, you know, I wonder if we could actually implement something like a life story Zoom where today we're going to hear somebody tell their life story in, in just 15 or 20 minutes. And then we're going to do another 15 mm. or 20 minutes where you get to ask them questions Yeah, as a way of just affirming and understanding the people that you're working with. And, you know, I'm here to tell you, if I would have listened to this, this podcast 10 years ago, I would have said Don Miller lost his mind. He has lost his mind. Because <laughs> he's got to make $7,501 today. Yeah. He's going to do a life story thing. Um, I love talking to you, man. Will, will you That's come back? You, you said, you hinted that you were writing another book. Can you tell us, do you have a title or anything that you can tease us with? I can't. I, I'm not ready to tease a title, but I will say this. If Unreasonable Hospitality was a book about how pursuing this kind of stuff is a way to get ahead. This next book is more about how you need to be more creative and intentional in pursuit of relationships just to stay in the game at this point. And there's a lot more to it than that, but that's that's my impromptu teaser that I just came up with for you. I'm hooked. I'm ready to read that book. And I'm so grateful to know you, Will. You've been just, you've been, you've truly been an inspiration to me, not just in my business, but in my family life and Uh, I'm grateful to know you. I'm grateful that you come and share your wisdom with our team and do so so generously. I know that you could be on any podcast and you're on ours. So it just means a great deal to me. And I can't wait to have you back. Thank you, brother. This is a blast. It's good to see you, man. Yet another guest that I want to hear more from. In fact, we're making a plan to bring Will into the studio and shoot a video, 60 or 90 minutes on his life story. I know a little bit of it and he shared a little bit of it in this episode, but it's, it's quite amazing. And so look for that in the future. Also, if you want to hear more from Will, he is part of our Coach Builder Summit. We are doing a summit on February 1st. Thousands of people will be attending the summit. It's a live stream summit for anybody thinking about building a coaching business or who already has a coaching business. And what do I mean by coaching? I mean consulting. I mean financial advisors. I mean physical therapists. I mean counselors. I mean actual therapists professors. I mean people who want to build a personal platform and become a thought leader. Anybody who sells their wisdom in exchange for money so that they can they can do so sustainably, I would consider that a coaching business. And as many of you know, I have a book called Coach Builder coming out. This is the Coach Builder Summit. All you need to do is go to coachbuilder.com slash coach summit, coachbuilder.com slash coach summit, and hear yet another conversation with Will and I all about coaching. He has pivoted his career into coaching and consulting while he figures out what he's going to do next in the hospitality industry. And I'm very curious about how he's done that and what the best practices he has already learned are, especially writing a book called Unreasonable Hospitality. How do you take that into a coaching business? How did you apply what you learned at 11 Madison Park selling intellectual property and time with you? How'd you do that? That's going to be a fascinating interview. So go to coachbuilder.com slash coach summit. Make sure that you register for that event and we will see you on February 1st. All right. At the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action from today's coaching conversation. These are main takeaways, the main takeaways you can immediately implement to strengthen and grow your business. And today's plan of action is this. 
we have all made mistakes. Uh, you've probably made a big one somewhere in the life of your business, maybe in the, even in the last year. If you don't know of one, go to your customer service person and say, what mistakes have we made? Who do we owe? Who do we owe a positive experience to? I actually recommend you just pick one for now. And you talk with whoever is involved in that. And you say, well, that would be a negative 23. What do we do with this person, toward this person, as a gift to this person, as a kind to this person, to create a positive 24? And include your staff, your team in that conversation. If you're a solopreneur, include your spouse in that conversation. Include some friends. If you are on your own and you're single, take a group of friends out to lunch and say, hey, I'm uh, this lunch is... Uh, not free, even though I'm paying for it. I, I've made a mistake and I want to make it up to this person. Shoot around some creative ideas. And maybe it's you getting on a plane and buying them lunch and apologizing in person. Maybe it's you, you know, whatever it is, a, a gift, whatever it is that you need to do. Uh, I think that that experience will be groundbreaking for anybody who does it. I mean, even if you just do it once, it will be foundational for your life. Because I think we're all going to realize as we do that, that it fills our heart. It fills their heart. It affirms the fact that we are very, very much human. And not only are we human, we're good humans. And I think we will build on that exercise as we continue to build our business and duplicate it over and over. But it really just takes one. You do that once. And then you let the ripples of that experience spread through your business. Uh, so that is today's plan of action. Try to go one number higher than the negative that your your customer experienced because Will's right. Bottom line, even more important than your business is them. They are more important than your business. And they knowing that they are a respected human being, I think is uh, just wonderful. I think it's just wonderful. What a great interview. What a great conversation. And I hope you got a lot as much as I did out of the conversation as well. Okay. Thanks as always for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we are obsessed. We're just obsessed with helping you grow your small business. Loved this week. Can't wait till next week. See you again soon. Want to have Don coach through your question like the ones featured in today's episode? Just go to businessmadesimple.com slash podcast. Let us know what's keeping you up at night when it comes to running your business and submit your question at businessmadesimple.com slash podcast.